Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Black for Health liquid extract from Future Farm Botanicals combines the four most powerful of these plant-based foods. Black garlic, black radish root, black peppercorn, and black cumin seed. It's an all-natural daily preventative against a host of possibly inflammatory issues. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, circulation, and immunity. It's a delicious tasting supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's my future. P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. And while supplies last, buy two bottles of Black for Health and get two bottles of Wild Oil of Oregano free. That's a $55 value just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're talking to Dr. Michelle Perro. Uh, she's co-author of What's Making Our Children Sick, uh, which explores the links between GM foods, genetically modified foods, glyphosate, and gut health. And uh, there's a lot to talk about here because um, until uh, coronavirus dominated the headlines, uh, there was a lot of news about Bayer. Uh, Bayer was a stock that you may have regretted buying because, well, they bought Monsanto for, you know, literally billions of dollars. They thought they had a good thing going because, uh, Monsanto was the maker of, uh, glyphosate and Roundup Ready seeds. Uh, but it turns out to have been a big liability for them because, uh, there are a whole raft of lawsuits, uh, based on the proposition that glyphosate may cause cancer. Uh, they were fighting in court. Uh, they came close to what I understand a settlement. Uh, and then coronavirus came along. And all of a sudden, it sounds like Bayer is trying to tough it out. Can you bring us up to date on the, the latest on this situation? Yeah, I can. Well, so the, um, since uh, the original uh, case again with Mr. Dwayne Johnson, he won like a $273 million lawsuit against Monsanto, now Bayer. That was reduced. And since that time, I think there are over 40,000 cases pending against uh, Monsanto Bayer uh, regarding the Roundup causing cancer. And again, glyphosate is the active ingredient Roundup. So we we now have this so many cases. Um, the main cancers are non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and for people who both use it professionally as gardeners and landscapers mm-hmm. and people who have used it in their backyards, it's not just a crop um, um, herbicide. It's all people in their own backyards have been spraying this stuff without any protective gear. And everybody knows what PPE is now and these hmm. days yeah. for for years. And you have great dermal absorption of this chemical. Remember, you can breathe it in, you can eat it, and you can also get it through a dermal contact, which means your skin. Your skin is a great mechanism for taking in stuff. Actually, I use it for kids sometimes when I need to apply certain things. I mm-hmm. do it dermally. So um, just for people to remember. And so since that time, um, it's been challenged, and the EPA came out in January um, saying that they have disputed those findings of, of glyphosate <laughs> and um, and cancer, and they are negating that fact and have deemed it safe 
um, and also that it's safe for children and it can be sprayed around schools. Mm-hmm. Now, where they got that data is really unclear to me because we have been reporting out and the IARC, which is the International Agency of Research on Cancer arm of the World Health Organization, had a great monograph on how glyphosate-based herbicides cause cancer. And as I alluded to earlier, Dr. Antonio and his group out of King's College showed the exact mechanism of how this likely happens of, of potential cancer. When you link that with the GMO causing immune dysfunction of this just a genetic modified process, link it with the glyphosate-based herbicides, the potential is enormous for the ultimate immune dysfunction, which is cancer. So that is where we're at now. Because of weeds that are now resistant to glyphosate-based herbicides, approximately 75%, mm-hmm. uh, Syngenta has come out with um, Dicamba, resurrected that um, chemical, which is also now, two weeks ago, a mm-hmm. paper came out, shows that Dicamba, um, which is also cancer-causing, so we have replaced glyphosate um, with another cancer, cancer-causing herbicide, and farmers have been suing against dicamba for a few years because of what we call drift toxicity to non-target, non-GMO crops. And now just published hot off the press, dicamba in cancer. So, so this is so kind of the law of unintended consequences. I mean, the idea being that we were going to um, you know, use glyphosate uh, to protect uh, these crops and maybe would use less, uh, you know, herbicides, it, it's ending up, it's backfiring because we're ending up finding Roundup-resistant crops and we're using more of obsolete, uh, already recognized as dangerous uh, herbicides on our crops. So, you know, what's the good of those Roundup-ready crops when we <laughs> you know, have to use all these other things? Indeed. The, we have to get off the chemical mill. We're on a chemical like hamster wheel, as we like to call it, and we need to get back and kind of switch gears. And no better time than now, with all the holes in our food system just glaring at us, to get back to regenerative agriculture where we can remove these chemical inputs. Chemical farming does not work. Monoculture farming does not work. This idea that we were going to see the world with GMOs has not right. And out. Well, that, that's, the that's really, let's pause on that because that's yes. really the rationale yes. here is, you know, we talk about the agriculture revolution and, you know, many years ago it was predicted that the world wouldn't survive because we couldn't sustain the billions of people that uh, were making up the population and that, uh, you know, with billions of additional people on the way, we were going to have mass starvation. Then we had the agricultural revolution. We had, uh, you know, hybridization, you know, it was before GMOs and we had ingenious uh, methods of agriculture to create hardy crops and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we fed the world. Okay, great. Uh, some guy won the Nobel Prize for this. Um, the, uh, but so the, the argument is if we take away these GMO crops, you know, how are we going to feed people? People, you know, we're going to go back to the dark ages and starvation. Is, is you say that's, that's a spurious argument. It, indeed, it's serious because um, region agriculture has been shown to be equal or even if, if not better in terms of crop production um, than genetically modified crops. GMO crops require more inputs. Initially, they require less water, but after the first two, three years of using them, they require more water. Mm-hmm. And scientists themselves, like Dr. Robert Kremer, who used to work for the USDA for like 30 years, I'm sorry, some a long time, 
And he came out and he himself said, those genetically modified seeds, they're not hardy, they fail to emerge, you have to use all kinds of inputs to get them to emerge. And farmers have enormous costs with um, these um, purchasing of seeds and all the chemicals they require. Mm -hmm. Well, they so become hooked. Great. They become hooked on this because the very same companies that make the Roundup Ready seeds uh, make the chemicals that are designed to go on the seeds to enable the crops to grow. And you have a perfect vertically integrated uh, monopoly, uh, which uh, you know farmers basically become dependent on. And farmers, was, and, and so there's this been pushed by agribusiness to get farmers to switch over, and they, you know, there's a glossy PR job to get them to switch over, um, and it's still being pushed now in, in other, in, in other countries are totally rebelling, uh -huh. like in India and other countries, but mm -hmm. they're still pushing hard. I think Africa is where they're pushing hard yeah. now, and my colleagues and I are actually working on a book with this very topic, um, that will be coming out, um, within the next few months. So we're looking at this. And um, one of my favorite folks to listen to on this, she's a brilliant Indian woman, uh, Dr. Vandana Shiva. She's a physicist. She um, does um, a, a seed regeneration and heirlooms. She has a whole seed organization, and I think it's called Navdayana. I apologize for butchering the name. Mm -hmm. um, forgive me right there. Um, so there are brilliant people reporting on this. This is not new stuff. Mm -hmm. Ronald, your listeners can like check these uh, sites out. But we do know that these seeds cost more, they're not regenerative, and of interest, they require more chemical inputs, and their nutrient quality has been shown to be 20% less than mm -hmm. organic crops. Mm -hmm. So they're not even as nutrient-dense because glyphosate binds metals. It's a metal chelator. So it binds all those heavy metal, all those metals, not heavy metals, all those metals that you need like zinc, mm -hmm. magnesium, mm -hmm. copper, and it makes them less available to the plant, and you get less of those nutrients when you eat the product. Mm -hmm. So you need more food to get, and that's why you're hungry more often, because your body's not getting craving enough the nutrients. nutrients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's craving the nutrients. Yeah. So these products are failed. They're failed products, and they're only being pushed upon us because of agribusiness. And we can sustain with regenerative farming, which is also a bonus for climate change because regenerative farming, when you use organic methods, it absorbs more carbon from the air. And so you have carbon sequestration on these crops. Mm -hmm. So you take carbon out of the air. So it becomes a win-win. And so the biggest issue in my mind is we need to get our government to get behind and support organic farmers. Conventional crops are subsidized. And why the heck can we not subsidize organic mm -hmm. farming? Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share this important message with you. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor repairs damaged cells, restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years and now the 45 day money back guarantee you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800-982-9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing 
free resource to you. And now back to our guest, Dr. Michelle Perro. Talk about the effects on the soil, because, you know, obviously an herbicide that destroys bacteria, the soil is really uh, a living environment. It's uh, replete with uh, bacteria that are essential for soil repletion and for optimal health and for the the proper growth of the plants that grow in the soil. When you sterilize the soil, that that can't be good. Again, brilliant, of course, and uh, I refer any listener to Gay Brown, who's a farmer from the Midwest who wrote a great book on this, or Dr. Daphne Miller from UCSF. Lots of great soil books, but the soil is not dirt. Soil is alive, and it has a complex microbiome, not unlike our own gut microbiota. And you have to nourish the microbes in there. There are fungi, there are bacteria, there are viruses, there there are um, various, um, and they live in community. Organisms live in a communal um, way, and they talk to each other. Fungi, fungi feed trees. Trees communicate through the the microbiome of the fungi. That's and they have this beautiful symbio, symbiosis. So we're really starting to understand this complex relationship of organisms in soil. And the the best nutrition comes from a robust soil full of microbes. That's what you want to eat. So when we use when you use a pesticide, which can be an herbicide, kills plants, an insecticide, kills insects, or a fungicide, which kills fungi, and we just don't eat one pesticide when you eat a non-organic food. You eat at least six. These, the, the soil, the dirt, that those, I'm calling it dirt now, that those plants are grown in have mm-hmm. very, they, they are, it's literally dead. So you're eating plants that have no life to them. Mm-hmm. And this is an, and, this is immensely important um, in terms of our own health. Now, this is one of the silver linings that I'm seeing via COVID, this COVID era, that a lot of people are starting to grow things. The mm-hmm. number one thing that people cannot get a hold of after toilet paper are seeds. Mm-hmm. People are starting to get back into farming gardens. Like victory gardens. Yeah. Vic- yes, and growing your own is so simple. And if you if you live in an apartment in New York City, you can say, well, you have a, hopefully a window. You can mm-hmm. grow herbs. Herbs can be healthier than the than the veggies you're eating. And it's a great you project for kids too, because they, you know, they can oh get involved. God, they love yes. doing it, and it also gives them a basic science lesson, you know, because to understand where the food comes from and you know how it grows. And and when you put those nutrients in, into the soil, and then kids can see either whether you're growing microgreens or your herbs or you're you're growing peas, you can see this relationship. And it's so kids for so good for kids to get their hands dirty. And we are one with the soil. So that's what we're talking about now. We're talking about it's a very. I don't think it's complicated. It's how we rebuild our soil, get rid of the chemical inputs, grow food that is thus healthier. We need less of it. And we get involved with community. It's it's so simple and it's beautiful. And this is a, this is just what we're talking about. That's that's excellent. Uh, there's some issues though with uh, GMO labeling because you know said let's you know buy organic, avoid GMOs. Uh, but they've come up with all these initiatives to sort of uh, obfuscate the message about GMOs. They don't even like to use the word GMOs on packaging. Uh, so. What's happening on the regulatory level when it comes to helping consumers yeah. make, uh, you know, intelligent choices? Because, you know, you can vote with your consumer dollars, but if you don't know what you're buying, you can't make, uh, you can't really discern which products are, are better. 
And, you know, uh, now it's even harder because industry fought back. If, if there was no problem with GMO, they wouldn't have fought as hard they did to block labeling. Labeling was blocked. We In four different states, it was tried. Uh, Vermont, Colorado, uh, California, Oregon, I think Washington also. And it with got big industry dollars. And then big money. Big. So there was something called the Grocery Manufacturers Association that came out and industry um, gave them millions of, millions of dollars. Monsanto, I believe, gave $22 million. Um, uh, Syngenta, Dow, DuPont, um, and, and foods also. And what I found particularly disturbing when I looked at myself, all the different industries that fed blocking labeling since we try to label in California, Top 37, that was one of the first, is Abbott. Abbott makes formula, baby formula. Hmm. And they too gave over $700,000 to block labeling wow. because if you don't buy organic formula, there's also glyphosate in baby formula. That's so that's really disconcerting. Across, it, it was so concerning to me as a human, as a pediatrician, and as a mom, the lengths that they went to obfuscate GMOs. If it wasn't a problem, why go to all the trouble and not let us choose what we want to eat? And now, what's even scarier, there's GMOs 2.0, which is gene editing or CRISPR technology, mm-hmm also called RNAi or RNAi interference, where they can actually take snippets of genes they don't want, let's say when a potato gets a black spot, mm-hmm. they can gene edit it, cut that gene out that produces the black spot so that the uh, consumer, the eater, doesn't even know that that potato has been gene edited. What you don't know is the gene, the potato, innate potato, can still have the black spots, you just can't see them. And we mm. also have no idea of the untoward effects of taking one gene out and the subsequent problems thereafter. You just don't take a gene out and don't have any of the genetic mm-hmm. rearrangements going on. It has not been studied and has not been looked at in terms of health. And that comes so under a different eating, category. Eating. CRISPR technology is, is considered like its own classification. It's thought to be uh, more benign or... Uh, under a different jurisdiction than than GMO. It is, which is which is kind of maddening because it's it's. I think if anything, scarier. We try to do that with the mosquitoes, with Zika virus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, Michelle, it's, it sounds like this uh, CRISPR technology. Uh, you know, while uh, it's touted in terms of uh, being able to enable us to bioengineer all kinds of uh, wonderful new compounds and gene edit and cure diseases, uh, you know, maybe fraught with some problems. What do you say, Ronald? I'd like to say that um, I, you know, I support this idea, especially in terms of creating new medications and new treatment modalities uh, via gene editing and um, recombinant DNA, we've, we've done that before. For example, insulin is made from a genetically engineered E. coli, a, a bacterium. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say there's no value in doing this. So let me make that clear. And indeed, because we have concerns about gene editing, doesn't uh, dictate that we're anti-science or anti-progressive science uh, as, as well. What I am concerned about is that when you gene edit and when you when you cut out with these molecular scissors, a very oversimplistic way of looking at it, but that's the way I like to teach it. When you take that out, you have changes in the genetic sequencing of this organism down the line. That new genetic sequence 
causes the formation of these new proteins. These new proteins are the effects on the human health or any health of any organism, bees, birds, trees, is unknown. And not only are they unknown, they're not being studied. So here we have this rush for gene editing because companies want to push out these products. They patent them. They are profitable. They own the patent without their do justice, their work on the long-term effects. And they're not looking specifically at the effects of the proteins. When they do look at them, like what we had discussed earlier with the Impossible Burger, and they find effects, they write them off. So I have tremendous concerns regarding... I would have to say integrity of what we're doing here and whether this is in our best interest. Well, it seems like the whole approach is, uh, you know, let's get uh, apples don't they don't bruise and let's get potatoes that remain uh, pristine looking. Uh, but then, you know, in terms of the consequences, it, the philosophy is let her rip, you know, and let's and, you know, if there are problems, we'll discover them eventually. And, you know, maybe we should have some foresight uh, to anticipate those problems before they arise. Indeed. And, you know, the kind of things that are creeping up now, people say, oh, come on, we've been in GMOs for years. There's no problem. Well, there are actually, we, things are happening that we don't know about and what they are, what, what the results will be. For example, some of the genetics in the engineered segments may be swapping information with our own microbes, having yeah. little, you There's know, like microbial exchange going there. on in the intestinal yes, tract. And, you know, we know that that's, it's kind of, we call it uh, bacterial sex. You know, they don't have sex the way we traditionally know it, but they swap bits of genetic material with one another. And, you know, maybe that changes the bacteria and, uh, in, in ways that are completely unforeseen. And that, and those are the concerns. So once these things are released, it's really hard to rein them back in. So, I mean, so whatever is being released in our environment, any novel, um, uh, particle, viral particles, whatever, once they're out there, as we can see, they're very hard to bring back in. So what we don't want to do is release and let's see what happens. We want to practice the concept from the 1980s precautionary principle. Let's first really do our homework and do a long-term assessment before we just release these things without um, adequate study. And that's all we're asking for at even in the website we run, GMO Science, is we want adequate scientific rigor prior to releasing these new technologies. Indeed. So uh, for our listeners, you know, what's the practical take-home message? How can they, how can they uh, if they decide that, you know, GMO products are not for them or for their family members if they want to avoid uh, glyphosate or if they want to avoid uh, some new uh, products of uh, recombinant DNA. Uh, how do they how do they safeguard themselves from that? This is what I would recommend. And I mean, it sounds so basic, but we have to go back to the ABCs is one, eat organic as best as you can. If you can avoid processed foods, you will indeed avoid a significant number of um, genetically engineered products, specifically if they're not organic. So avoid processed. Buy organic whenever you can. And there is some cross-contamination with organic as well. People bring that up to me all the time. And I say, indeed, um, corn can travel a thousand miles so it's risk reduction it's not complete uh you know 100 percent uh safeguard against exposure because there's you know drift from adjacent fields and there's escape of some of these products into uh the even organic agriculture right 
Indeed. And so I talk about the first thing you must do is clean up your food and your water. So we talk about in cleaning up your internal milieu and your external milieu. You have to do both and let your body maybe be able to handle some of the toxicants and the toxins that they're exposed to and supporting your liver. And there are easy ways to do this. We can simply teach this by, you know, podcasts such as the one you give, Dr. Hoffman, and, and your phenomenal website. People need to self-care self-educate. We learn how to do this and of course grow your own. We we talked about the Victory Gardens, but there are ways that we can reclaim our health. The more plant-based diet you can eat, the more organic, hopefully from your own shelves, and don't forget about microgreens and herbs. Some of those things can pack more punch than the vegetables that you're eating. So there is this array of beautiful organic herbs they're very affordable. They last a long time. You cut the little stems off, put them in water in your fridge, um, and you can and, and put those into your food. So there are things we can do to support health, support our livers, but it's nutrition first, food first, and then I do supplements. If people don't change their diets, I just don't offer supplements or whatever treatments I'm doing must be the first step. Uh, do you see this uh, current uh, coronavirus pandemic as maybe a call to action about uh, cleaning up our food supply and our supply chains to make them more sustainable? Uh, or do you think that people will just say, the hell with it, you know, I'm going to buy cheap junk food uh, and consume as much of it as I can with the few dollars I have left after being uh, laid off from my job? I mean, it could go either way, right? Indeed. I would hope, again, being an optimist, and I know I don't want to sound like Dr. Doom and Gloom, I am an optimist, and I think this, there are many silver linings here. And it is pointed out, if COVID has done nothing else, it's pointed out the holes in our food supply. I do, if, if you are a, uh, a carnivore, I say that's fine, but the way we treat our animals, you cannot herd them in, expose them to the incredible rates of disease, which they have, and then give them massive antibiotics, which then affect us and our microbiome to hold down the diseases. And that's what we're doing now. Not to mention the workers who have to deal with processing these animals. So I'd say humane treatment of all animals <clears throat> before, we eat them, and I hope, if nothing comes out of this, that we can reconfigure our meat production system in the U.S. It's inhumane for the animals and the workers. So that would be, if anything came out good out of this pandemic, I would hope it is we reassess our food supply. And the number one thing being purchased in the U.S. right now are seeds. People are growing their own stuff. So there's the return back to cooking. We have to get out of the restaurants right now, and I support restaurants, but can they switch to an organic model of cooking? Can they change their own practices to support not just good food, healthy good food? That's so one of the reasons I, I prefer to eat home, uh, you know, in general. I'm not a real foodie, although I live in New York, and at least when I purchase the food myself and prepare it myself, I know what goes into it. You know, when I go out, it might taste <laughs> really scrumptious, but who knows what the ingredients are, and, you know, generally... Uh, they go for the cheapest uh, sources. Uh, you know, it's a matter of cost. You know, the margins in restaurants are so low that uh, they're going to scrimp on ingredients. I agree. I, I rarely eat out. And I, when I do, I go to our local organic market and get my Good Earth, who, who I absolutely adore. I can't leave my town because we have the best organic market in town. So it's, 
I, I do share those things. And, you know, the quick foods, let's say, um, have a lot of corn and soy in them. And, and unless it's organic, it's all genetically modified. Not to mention other additives are in those foods like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And that's from a genetically engineered yeast extract. You know, a lot of those hydrolyzed proteins and hydrolyzed flavorings are from genetically engineered products. So all those additives um, are emulsifiers. Not only can be genetically modified, uh, genetically engineered, but they also have effects on the microbiome, particularly emulsifiers. And you'd find those, for example, in dressings, those prepared mm -hmm. dressings. Things even, like even that. stuff that you get at you know Whole Foods and uh, Trader Joe's. I mean, they they use ingredients that ostensibly seem natural, but you know could have an adverse effect. Uh, the book is "What's Making Our Children Sick." It's a classic. How industrial food is causing an epidemic of chronic illness, and what parents and doctors can do about it. And um, now that uh, we have the coronavirus pandemic and we're seeing kids sometimes get sick with that, it's yet another reason to uh, optimize our kids' diets. If uh, autism and attention deficit disorder and childhood diabetes and autoimmune disease weren't enough, we now have new impetus uh, for making sure that uh, our children are in optimal condition to, to be resilient, to be resilient to challenges like we're now experiencing. So um, thank you very much, Dr. Michelle Perro, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Hoffman. Always delightful chatting with you. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile friendly site, it's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.